You're listening to episode 141 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden, and today I'm chatting with Sissy Goff about raising girls. Now, I think one of the most important things that I have um, really kind of honed in on over the years with girls is, I think, girls' inability and our inability as women, I think we we don't know a lot of times how to be strong and kind at the same time, that we either get really strong and have these really intense boundaries and we lose our sense of kindness, or we're trying so hard to be nice that we don't have any sense of boundaries, that you can you can do both. And, and so to equip them with sentences on the playground, you know, I had one girl call it playground politics, but to equip them with sentences like, I want to be your friend, but not when you treat me like that. That's such an easy little thing. You know, I, I would love to be friends with you, but I'm not friends with people who act like that or treat me like that. I mean, that's kind, but it's also saying you can't get away with doing that to me. I think would be so empowering to girls. And gosh, how different would our lives be as women if we had learned to do that when we were little? Good, right? There's more. <laughs> There's more. I know y'all have been waiting a very long time for this episode and I appreciate your patience all you girl moms and I know I'm not a girl mom but I am a girl and I could relate to a lot of what sissy shared and the complications of having girls we spend a chunk of the first part of this episode talking about beauty but stick around because then we get into emotions and anxiety and uh, relationships with friends with sisters mother-daughter relationships It's tons of good stuff. I walked away with tips and ideas and thoughts, even for parenting my boys. So you boy moms out there, don't get discouraged and think, oh, this one's not for me. I think that you could still benefit. I'm just saying, she's a licensed counselor. So we all could learn from her advice. If you're that uh, mom, grown-up girl who struggles with being both brave and kind, that alone is a good little tidbit. But before we get into my conversation with Sissy, I want to give a shout out to this month's sponsor, Persimmon Prints. Persimmon Prints is a faith-based art and apparel company that my friend Casey Feeney started. I'm a big fan of her. She and I have spent many, many, many hours talking about God and faith and family and all kinds of good things. She has created this line of products. I mean, I'm in love with so many of them. One that you may have seen me wear once a week, if you see me out and about in Dallas, is a black and white stripe with red letters that says Love Well. It's the softest shirt I own, and it just fits perfectly. Like, she just knows what she's doing. She knows how to design great apparel that fills my life with print, fixes my heart on God, and fights for those in need. Because a percentage of your purchase is going to go to support her friends over at Good Shepherd Agricultural Mission. It is a really cool farm-based orphanage home for destitute children in northern India. You'll be supporting them. Go to persimmonprints.com. If you don't know what a persimmon is, it's a fruit. P-E-R-S-I-M-M-O-N. Persimmonprints.com. And don't forget, if you buy something in November 2016, use the coupon code, all caps, GODCENTERED, and you get 20% off your purchase. All right, let's get to my conversation with Sissy. Here we go. Hey, Sissy, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Thanks, Heather. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I think that some moms really need your help. <laughs> <laughs> well, girls are complicated. Oh, my stars. I posted that on Instagram and Facebook, and 
that just couldn't stop. They just kept coming in. And, <laughs> and some were similar, but there's a lot of different topics we could hit on today for Absolutely. these girls. For these yeah. girls. So real quick before we get into it, tell everyone kind of what you do and how you got into it. Well, I have been counseling girls and families for 24 years now at a place called Daystar Counseling Ministries in Nashville. And we work with primarily kids from about five up to 18. We have individual counseling, group counseling, and we have a little camp called Hopetown in the summer. And um, so I, I am just so grateful to have gotten to do that for so many years. I take my dog to work with me every day, and we're in a yellow house and try to make counseling as disarming and warm and friendly as possible. My favorite quote ever was a little girl who left our office and she said, mom, you know, I don't go to Daystar for counseling. I just go to talk about my problems. <laughs> and that's just so much of who we're trying to be. And so it's this really warm, engaging place. And, and we just get to come alongside kids and families. And I love getting to write and speak and do things out of just what I'm learning from sitting with girls every day, because I mean, as you know so mm -hmm. well from what you're doing, but the culture is changing so fast now. And so to keep up with them, it feels like you have to be with them and understanding so much more of what's going on. Yeah, I, I, I can't even imagine. I think even parenting when I started having kids versus now as a mom, my yeah. distraction level and my my pull and where I am in the battle to stay connected with real people and yes. all the things I'm struggling with oops, as a mom versus if I was a teen or a young girl or all the images coming at you constantly from oh. so many different places. I can't even imagine just with social media yeah. alone. Oh, man. It, it is sitting on our mom part, like our mom insecurities. So then. Yes. And I, our brains are fully developed. Yeah. And we've been told, you know some good things in, right. in the midst of getting here, maybe some bad things, but yeah. we have had some good things told us. Yeah. So that, you know, a lot of the moms did ask questions about that. And so maybe we'll just start there. The whole okay. conversation about outward appearance and beauty and modesty and really finding our value in God and not in these external things, but also recognizing that there's something in a little girl that wants to be beautiful and how do we support and enrich that white while giving her a true, beautiful heart? Yeah. Oh, gosh, I love that question, even thinking mm. about helping her develop a beautiful heart or, or live in the beautiful heart God's already placed inside yes, of her. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think, I think you're right because outwardly that is a longing for girls and they do want to be perceived that way. And, and it is more complicated than ever before with the images that are coming at them. And, and to some degree, we can shield them from a lot of that, but not all of it. Mm. And and so I think to continue to, I mean, I just believe so much in calling out and speaking to the beauty that God's placed inside our girls at every level as much as we can. You know, gosh, that was beautiful how you were with your grandmother today. I love how you spoke to her. I love how compassionate you are with X. I love your strength. That's one of the things I think for girls particularly, that we need to be calling out more and more their strength and bravery because I think mm -hmm. girls are shrinking back more than ever before, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think all of those things and then speaking to to who she is in terms of how she looks a lot too. Um, I have a friend who we were at a dinner party and she was telling me a story about when she was growing up that every time she walked down the stairs of her house, 
her dad, I mean, literally every time her dad would whistle the theme song to Miss America. Oh my goodness. Which I love that because not just, I mean, who cares about the pageant part of it, but Mm -hmm. he was basically saying, I'm going to pay attention to you when you walk in the room, Mm. you know, like you are worthy of that from me. And, and I think, gosh, that just the way, not only what we call out, but the way that we engage them, the way that we show them that we value them and our time and our attention. And like you said, I mean, I think even as adults, we have more and more kids who are talking about competing with technology for their parents' attention, you know, mm. that we just stop and put those things down and look and engage them and connect in really significant ways that that build up their confidence, just our relationship. Well, and as a mom, I, I could imagine it's hard for us not to project our desire to be beautiful and approved yes. of onto yeah. our daughters. And so yeah. that thing where the mom only points out what's off. Oh, oh, honey, let me fix your bow. Oh, oh, honey, there's something on your face. Or is that a zit? Or, you know, oh, you know, you can't wear those together. And critiquing out of a place of care and love and wanting the best for her daughter, but not realizing that the only messages she's getting are it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a little girl that I counsel that her mom has a philosophy that's no bow, no go. <laughs> she, does, she doesn't get to leave the house without her bow on. And the first thing she does when she comes in my office every week is she takes off her bow, mm. which just makes me laugh so hard. But I think, you know, I read an article once about when something goes wrong in a boy's world, he blames someone else. And when something goes wrong in a girl's world, she blames herself. Mm. And I think so much of that, I mean, it's hard to even call it criticism because it's really more instruction. But I think so often, often it comes out of our criticism at ourselves mm-hmm. as women and that we it's easier to start sometimes picking at girls out of that because of our own fearfulness or I want her to be accepted or I want her to look her best because we're wanting to prevent something for, for her. But yes, I think then at some level, the message starts to feel like, something's wrong with me or I'm not enough just who I am or, you know, there's something else I need to do. And so I feel like for women, raising a girl feels like a constant look in the mirror. And I had a girl one time in my office, she was, um, she was struggling with her weight. Her mom was thinner than she was Mm. at the time. And she said, my mom talks so much about how she hates the way she looks. I can't imagine what she thinks when she looks at me. Oh, my stars. I mean, I know. You don't even think about these things. Yes. No. And I thought, well, yeah, that makes so much sense. And and I think our own awareness of how we're talking about ourselves, um, not only what we're saying to them, and again that we're stressing the positive and the beauty, and the, but not just the beauty, the so much deeper, the good that we see in them, but mm-hmm. also that we're saying positive things about ourselves, and and mm-hmm. that there's a lightheartedness to that, and not this intensity of. Um, I mean, I think we can get to a place of self-hatred sometimes when we don't even realize it as women. Oh, my goodness. There's so much to what you said. So with the mom, the no-bo, no-go, there's <laughs> yeah. that mom's listening, right? Like that's been her philosophy. She's always dreamed of a girl. Right. Um, and she loves bows and she, she loves clothes. And she lives in the South. And this is just right. a thing. This is part of right. culture to fit in, to have friends, for mom to fit in with the other girl moms because there's that pressure too. What do you say to that mom? How how do you help her? Oh, you know, I, I think um, 
for that, I think it's hard because it depends so much on the age. I think for little ones, it's easy to have philosophies like that. And I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of no bow, no go that's really harmless, not just in the bow, the literal bow sense. But but I think as they get older and it becomes an expression of who they are, that they're wanting to shift. I have another little girl who sits in my office. She's a little older. And she says, if I have to dress like my sister one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> the you know, twin dressing, the twin yes. dressing. Yeah, yeah. And I think some of that starts to feel restrictive in terms mm. of where where can we give them their ad- own identity? Because so much with girls is wanting them to develop a voice and their own sense of self. And so many girls have a really hard time doing that. Now, obviously, there are girls who don't have a hard time doing that. And we might need a few more bows. Not really, but <laughs> we might need to help some of them more. But but I think as they get older, wanting to be really aware of making sure we're giving them the, their own voice, helping encourage their own identity development is so important and apart from us. Yeah. And that's what it can start to feel like. Well, one thing I noticed having grown up in the North for me, the Midwest versus being in the South now is it feels like even adult women, it feels like they were trained somehow or there's some class (laughs) or something on how to maximize your positive features and minimize your negative features and all these beauty regimens that I did not get any coursework in. I wasn't even allowed to look at um, beauty magazines growing up. So I, I'm like, how do they know how to do that? It is taking, I've been here 13 years. I'm, I'm struggling, but there is a difference even in the culture of where you live, of yes. how much external beauty is emphasized or weight or, do you know what I'm saying? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I think the South can be even more intense in terms of that. So how do we fight that? So maybe mom, mom's got her issues and she's, you know, She's got to work on her own heart and her messaging to her daughter. But then what if the mom's got it sorted out, but the world is telling her the something? The world's Yeah, out. yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I have um, a family that I work with, and um, they are originally from Chicago, and they're smack in the middle of Nashville, actually in Brentwood, and um, which is even yeah, feels Brentwood. a little more south than Nashville <laughs> somehow. And um, she says she – I love that this mom – I mean, her – argument with the South is that she feels like sometimes people are disingenuous. And she Mm -hmm. said, I don't want my daughter to get that message. And I want her to feel like she has a voice and she doesn't have to value um, kindness over speaking her own voice if she she can choose both at the same time. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels like people aren't choosing both. And so anyway, she just has conversations regularly with her daughter about this may be what's around you, but this is who we're going to be as a family. Mm-hmm. And and I think to keep pulling back into the huddle of your family and saying, I know these are the messages you're getting, and it feels like you have to look a certain way and be a certain way, but you are who you are is such a gift from the Lord to us and to the world. And so we want you to continue to be that and just to to talk about. have I think having ongoing dialogue with girls is so important just in terms of what they are up against and what's coming at them. And helping them understand it. Yeah. With all the, someone asked a question about the princess culture and pop culture and just the over-sexualization of girls at a young age, even in the stores. I mean, I used to work at Limited 2 and the clothes we we sold back (laughs) in the 90s versus now, it's different. Yeah. 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 And belly shirts are becoming more popular again. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think just to keep going back to... Your beauty has so much to do with your heart and who you are. And 
Um, and you do not want to just because that's what everybody else is, you know, those things just because everybody else is wearing it does not mean we're going to wear it. And I think for parents always to have veto power that anytime kids come downstairs, they can say, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. That's not who you are. And you have so much beauty that you don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think sentences like that are really helpful for girls and, and just to build up again, their confidence in other ways where that doesn't feel like how they're having to get attention. Well, the trick though, you know, the way that God made boys having boys, I remember my, he was three years old and he would tell me he didn't like when my hair was in a ponytail. Mm -hmm. And when was I going to put my pretty eyes on? Wow. Right. So I think we can say, well, it doesn't matter. You know, you're beautiful on the inside. It's the inside that counts. And then they see, no, I get reinforced when I wear that Easter dress or I, you know, people notice that that little girl is cuter and, and point that out or you know, I get more attention when, you know, I do. So that is a tricky, it's that a tricky a really thing to tricky. say with words, you know, and, and then for them, to, as they do get into the middle school and the high school that years, they're going to notice that, well, that one girl gets a lot more attention from boys than I do. Right. So I know my mom told me right. <laughs> it's the inside that matters. I mean, how do you handle those conversations with girls that are coming to you with struggles where they, they may not be the prettiest ones on the outside? Um, (laughs) I'm just going to hit it hard. Like we've solved this as if you've solved this, because this is an age old question, right? Back to Jane Austen. Yeah, exactly. I I think every girl picks out things that she doesn't like about herself. Hmm. And so I, I don't know that I hear it from certain girls more than others, but I think every girl has so many beautiful things about her. I think as a parent to keep going back to those things and, and to help her find places that she feels confident in herself and things that she likes about herself. I do that with girls a lot where we Mm -hmm. will talk about, you know, what are characteristics they love about themselves? What are um, things they love about the way they look or love would be, that's a stretch. I don't know that (laughs) many girls could even come up with that, but things that they like, you know, just because every one of them can find things like that. And, But again, I think I just, I think the longing is so much more about being accepted and cared for and valued Mm -hmm. that, that the physical becomes such a distraction that to keep pulling them back to what you're even wanting in this moment is so much more about somebody who sees your heart and thinks your heart's beautiful and your heart is so beautiful Mm -hmm. to keep kind of pulling them back from that place to what they're longing for more anyway and what the deeper, you know, hope of their heart is. And that identity in Christ and yes, yes, those conversations. Yeah. And that we think she's so beautiful and, and that her dad is telling her that a lot too. Mm -hmm. And if her dad's not there, other men that, you know, I have, a lot of moms that I work with who've lost a husband and have other men that step in and, and spend time with their girls and really value them in a way that I think draws out their beauty and, and makes them feel more confident in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, having a girl really list that out, I, I feel like that would then replace the tape in her mind. Yeah. When she looks in the mirror and says, what's wrong? She could remember, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe even put it on the mirror. <laughs> what's right. Yeah. What yes. God says about her. Yes, exactly. And to know that every girl feels that. I think yes. that's that's such a powerful thing of sitting with groups of kids every week. I mean, I had a group this week of ninth and 10th grade girls where one girl said, I just am so worried about what people think about me all the time that I can start to think more about 
pleasing them than I even think about caring about other people. Mm. And another girl said, I do the exact same thing. And, and so conversations like that, where it's like, yeah, everybody really struggles with this or everybody feels like they're not enough in some way. I think, especially as they move towards adolescence to put them in places where they can be talking about that. So they know they're not the only one makes such a difference. That's good. Even for us moms. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We need to know we're not alone. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, I, let's go into whining because I know the mom out there is like, okay, I'm not dealing with the beauty thing yet, but I've got a four-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old, six-year-old drama queen. Um, one mom said, if she has nothing to cry about, she thinks about random things to cry about. <laughs> and I have a heart for this girl because I remember I had older siblings, so they always told me about me, you know, because they had the memory of it. And they said I cried for an entire year. They're like, oh, Heather, wow. you just cried for an entire year. And that's probably that's over, so you know. But yes, I feel her. Yeah. <laughs> I get yeah. it. The emotions are real, people. Yeah. So they how do we people. how do we help them with handling those emotions and not being led by them? It's such a strong way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think probably part of what made you the little girl who felt so dip- deeply makes you this woman who can have this podcast that affects so many people because you understand emotionally from this deeper place. Mm, yeah, right. And so to see that these girls that are so emotional, that that's a place of real giftedness in them. And, and even again, to call that out and speak to that, like, I love that you have a heart that cares so deeply and you feel so deeply and you are so passionate if they're old enough to understand that word. I mean, those are things that are really good to talk with them about. I think little ones, to help them start to name their emotions because that becomes really confusing. And, and one thing I didn't say at Daystar that we do is we do a lot of parent consults where the kids are too young to even necessarily come into counseling. And so I'll meet with the parents and what I'm hearing really probably even more than crying right now from parents of toddler age girls is anger. Really interesting. Yeah. That Mm. they're stomping around their houses raging. And then the more I sit with parents, the more we get to a place where it's really some anxiety that's underneath it. Mm. But, but a child that age often can't name their feelings. And so these girls feel so deeply and they don't understand what it is. And so it comes out as anger or it comes out as whining even sometimes, or just a tearfulness. And so to have them start to name what they're feeling. And then the other thing that I'm seeing so much of is, you know, we think about emotions on a one to 10 scale. And I think so many girls just live at 10. Mm. And I read a book recently about how one of the best ways to regulate our kids' emotions is to connect with them. Mm. That when we can kind of step into it with them and they feel understood and that they get that we really understand what they're feeling, there's a letting go of that intensity. But sometimes we're just not hearing them or paying enough attention or we or there's a million things going on and it's hard to stop and really listen. And so there's kind of this constant because ah, they're just waiting for us to stop. And so, hmm. so I think um, that's really powerful. I'm imagining the scenario and the whining and you're just like, stop it. I mean, we, yeah. I just had a guy on Kirk who was talking about different language we could use. Like I'm curious or mm-hmm. this, you know, when they're really little, I'm, I, Again, you and I are quoting books. I don't remember what book it was, but I read yeah. some book that it, you know, you just say it out loud. Oh, you're feeling angry or yeah, exactly. you are frustrated or you're overwhelmed and you just label it out. And, yeah. and I tried it once when I had a toddler just like wailing on the wall with his fists. And mm-hmm. I said, you are really mad right now. 
you, I'm, and I even did first person. I am mad. And I, and he totally stopped and turned to me like, oh, yeah, you get it. Yeah. Yeah. You get it. And I think I do it with my husband. Like I'll just keep nagging, 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 hoping he hears what I'm feeling where he probably did. And he's just ignoring me because it's annoying to be nagged with the same <laughs> feeling. But if he would have just said, oh, it sounds like you're frustrated, I would have stopped. Yeah, yes, I would have stopped. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, we want so much for someone, I mean, at any age to hear and understand what we're feeling. And so, yes, to say, I can tell that you're really sad right now. Mm-hmm. And then just stop for a second and let mm-hmm. her kind of come down from that. And then, I mean, I was, I was reading a book that talked about connecting and redirecting mm-hmm. and, and that, but that we have to connect first. And so to listen and to sit in it with them and then yes, to say, I understand that you're so sad and we still have to go, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> that there's still the sense of you've got to keep moving sometimes, but to, to help them feel understood first, I think is really important, but that doesn't, I mean, then there are also girls who just whine. I mean, that that's just their tone of voice so much of the time. Especially. Yeah, what age would that be happening? So moms can say, oh, this is normal. They won't whine for the rest of their life. Is Ooh, there, I think maybe is the rest of their life. Six to ten, maybe. Six, six, to, six ten. to nine. Okay. That's interesting. Um, and I mean, I think with those girls, I love just the phrase try again. You know, just to say, I really don't, I can't hear you when you talk to me with that tone of voice. So why don't you try that differently? And it you may know, be for like four years that they're redirecting that. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> Don't give up. Them. Don't give up. No, but I do think that's a phase a lot of girls go through. And and I think when we can reinforce parts of it, like you are so persistent. I love that you're so persistent and know you're not going to be able to have that right now, mm-hmm. you know, when they're whining and demanding. Can we train them? One mom asked if, if uh, how do we teach our younger girls to start learning how to control their thoughts and emotions? Is that a possibility or is that like developmentally? not a possible thing to control your thoughts and emotions because I struggle to control my thoughts and emotions and as an adult. You know, I think controlling our thoughts is so much harder, except, Mm -hmm. I mean, anxiety is a whole other thing that we could talk about that we're seeing kids deal with. And that has to do with our thoughts. And I think there are some things we can do to stop those kind of thoughts. What are are those (laughs) right now? What we're talking about anxiety thoughts. How do we help with that? You know, um, the way that I describe those with kids in my office is it's like the one loop roller coaster where a, a child and, and it's interesting because you can develop mentally almost um, pick what kids would struggle with it at different ages. Like we have so many third through fifth grade girls at Daystar right now who are so afraid of throwing up. They don't know what to do with themselves. That's the thing they're looping about. Hmm. Whereas another kid might think, "Ooh, I hate throwing up or wow, that kid threw up at school. I bet they were embarrassed and keep moving. But a child with anxiety gets on this one loop and gets stuck for younger kids. I'm going to lose one of my parents, you know? um, So it shifts developmentally kind of to whatever's the worst thing they can imagine happening in that moment. But And then Disney plays on it. Every single movie is about a mom dying. Yes, you're exactly right. Terrible. Okay. It is terrible. So they get this thing that they're scared of. It's fear. And they're looping on it. and, And that's what's stirring the anxiety. So every... Thing you do, you leave the house to go on a date night, they flip out. It's all yes. back to that. Yes. And part of what's happening, this is very scientific, okay. but science sounding, but you know, part of what's happening in that moment is when any of us are doing okay, we're functioning normally, our whole brain is getting blood flow 
And then when we get really anxious, the blood flow literally leaves the frontal lobe part of our brain, which helps us manage our emotions and think rationally. It leaves the frontal lobe and it goes to the amygdala, which is the fight or flight or freeze part of our brain. Hmm. And so, you know, parents will come in and say, I tried to say there's no reason for you to be afraid of this. And they just can't hear me. Well, they can't because the part of their brain that thinks rationally and manages their emotions isn't even getting blood in that moment. And so we have to calm them down first, which is why... You know, there are all those things like breathing techniques. There's so much about mindfulness right now. All of those things are really important. I teach this little square breathing thing a lot in my office where a child literally draws a square on their leg and with each line of the square breathes a different way. So it can't be this really fast square, but kind of a slow in and out breathing because you've got to slow down their nervous system to get the blood flow shifted back to where they can be reasonable in that moment. And so that's the first thing we want to do. And Super there, helpful. Thank you for that. There are different things we can teach them that are just distraction techniques to help them get their brain in a different place. I mean, there are really specific things that psychiatrists will do like Have them think of everything that's the color red or have them think of everything that starts with the letter R or have them, depending on how old they are, count backwards from 100 by sevens or something I'll have kids do a lot is choose a verse um, that you love about worry and repeat it to yourself, even out loud if you need to, over and over and over and over, just something that shifts their brain away from the anxiety. And a great book about all that that we love probably the most at Daystar is Freeing Your Child from Anxiety. And it's got a lot of really great practical things like that in there. Okay. So, oh my goodness, that's amazing. All of those ideas are amazing. And I found myself counting backwards. <laughs> Do you find a connection between kids that are kind of brighter, more sensitive and anxiety? Yes, okay. definitely. And kids that are really conscientious. Yeah. They see a lot, notice a lot. Yeah. And you know, it's considered a childhood epidemic in America today. I mean, really? Yeah. Seven out of 10, probably of the new clients that are coming into Daystar right now are coming for that reason. And, and eight to nine is typically the average age of onset. And so it's a lot of little ones. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Okay. So a lot of anxiety, but probably in parents too. Yes. And that's one of the biggest predictors of anxiety in kids is parents who feel, who struggle with anxiety to some degree. But but this is a newer phenomenon, like we are yes. all experiencing more anxiety as a culture. Yes. There was a and g- I think potentially when you're a parent who struggled with anxiety, it's easy to want to take that away for the child. And so I think we try to insulate them in this way where we're taking away the anxiety producing thing instead of what anxiety specialists will say is basically to work through the anxiety. Any of us just have to do the scary thing. Mm. Just go go back to it. So whatever kids move through it. Yeah, yeah. instead of taking it away. Mm. So yes, we got way off track of girls. And but it's <laughs> so helpful. I think there's a lot of. I mean, if seven out of. I mean that of your. Yeah. That's she's. They're all sitting out there listening. So this very very helpful. Um. Okay. What about girl drama with um, with friends? Like the relationship side of, of the drama. So we've got the emotions. We've got two emotional girls going at yeah. each other yeah. um, and communicating. How do we help them in that? Now, I think one of the most important things that I have um, really kind of honed in on over the years with girls is I think girls' inability and our inability as women, I think we we don't know a lot of times how to 
be strong and kind at the same time that we either get really strong and have these really intense boundaries and we lose our sense of kindness or we're trying so hard to be nice that we don't have any sense of boundaries. That's really interesting, even given our presidential option. Anyway, yes. (laughs) Or women in business, it feels like in in order to get ahead, you have to be just not nice. Yeah. You can't be a successful leader and be, it's the image, that's a stereotype I know, but yeah, that is, that's really interesting. Yeah. I think we don't know how to do that innately often. And so Hmm. to teach girls to have strength and kindness at the same time, those are the two words I use a lot that you can, you can do both. And, and so to equip them with sentences on the playground, you know, I had one girl call it playground politics, but to equip them with sentences like, I want to be your friend, but not when you treat me like that. Oh, that's good. That's such an easy little thing. You know, I, I would love to be friends with you, but I'm not friends with people who act like that or treat Mm -hmm. me like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's kind, but it's also saying you can't get away with doing that to me. I, I think would be so empowering to girls and gosh, how different would our lives be as women if we had learned to do that when we were little? Yeah. yeah. Keeping unhealthy relationships that are not, you know, there's one thing about we're going to influence them, but when it infects us yeah. to the level that we've lost our own value and identity, that's, yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I had another counselor at Daystar. I love this. She was working with a little girl last week and the girl said, I think she was a fifth grader and she said, I've realized that I have safe friends, unsafe friends and balcony. I mean, um, roller coaster friends, interesting, unsafe friends and roller coaster friends. And so I've been talking about that. I switched it from unsafe because that sound that can, I think, almost create more drama in girls. But so I've been talking with girls a lot about balcony friends who are cheering you on, basement friends who are trying to pull you down and roller coaster friends and and helping girls start to develop some discernment even in relationships and who are the friends that you really do want to put more time and energy in. And again, like you're saying, we have those kind of friends too. Mm -hmm. And so how do we learn to navigate that and helping them at younger ages, I think is really important. That's really good. I like that tip and those words. I think it's so helpful as we're training our kids and training these girls to have these phrases that will stick with them for life, like you're Mm. saying. Yeah. What about, okay, the moms out there who have two girls in the home or three (laughs) sisters, the sister Mm. relationships, since we're on relationships, the yelling, I hate you, it's not fair, they're sharing room, the screaming, any, any help for sister relationships? Oh, that's such a tough one because I, I do think, and this isn't just sisters, I think siblings anyway, that just becomes the safest, easiest place to vent feelings. But because girls have so many feelings, I think it can get even more rampant. It can escalate. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. And I think we need to be aware. I had a mom at a parenting seminar once say to me, I tell my girls all the time that I had daughters because I wanted them to be best friends. And mm. I think, oh, that, that, I get it's a lot of pressure saying, there. But that's yeah. a lot of pressure. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, I think you can say y'all are going to be each other's best friends down the road. And so how you treat each other is important. Things or like we'll that. Say, we'll say forever friends. Like right. friends are going to come and go that. out of our, our family. But these guys, these are going to be with you. You know, even when dad and I go, y'all are going to be right. it. So exactly. <laughs> think yeah. about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I... I I am probably a believer and you want to let them try to work it out first, but there's a point when it gets too hurtful. And, and I think, I don't think kids should be allowed to say, I hate you in their homes. I think that should have a consequence. I think if kids call each other fat mm-hmm. girls, if they ever do that, I think that should have an immediate consequence. Um, but 
I think having them have to work it out together, I mean, to calm down where they're not operating out of a part of their brain that's not getting blood, you know, where, yeah. Yeah. where they can be reasonable. And I mean, sometimes there's some separation that needs to happen first, but I think they do need to talk it out. And David, who I know you had on um, talking about boys, he and I talk a lot about in parenting seminars about doing things to repair the relationship where they write an apology letter or they do part of the consequences. They have to do the other siblings chore when Mm -hmm. they've been really disrespectful. Or I had a mom one time, she had a son and a daughter and the daughter loved to mother her son. Yep. Yep. um, Guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, you just are feeling so good about mothering him these days that I'm going to let you go on and take on some of those jobs and you're going to be making his lunch in bed for the next week. (laughs) You know, what a great consequence to say that's not your role um, Mm -hmm. and you're going to give back to him because you've hurt him in the way that you've treated him. And so I think consequences like that can help raise their awareness for how they're treating each other. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. That answers another couple questions. Um, Okay. And then... There was a couple here, and maybe we've answered them. One is for a little girl who's struggling to give grace to others. They're very picky when making friends and not really including and forgiving small offenses. Mm-hmm. And then there's the opposite side of that, the little girl who is, like, dealing with the meanness. We might have already dealt, talked about that. But mm-hmm. what if your little girl's the one who's struggling yeah. to give the grace <laughs> Strugg- yeah. and, and kind of just picky? Yeah, I have talked to a lot of moms over the years who that has been a really hard thing to watch that they're, they just are seeing, uh, an unkindness. And a, I mean, people who will even say, I, I think my daughter might be the mean girl and I have mm-hmm. no idea what to do. And, mm-hmm. and I think for some girls, it's just harder to develop that awareness socially. And, and I think that's so much of it is they, they just aren't quite getting the empathy piece yet that that's harder to develop. And, and some girls, I I talk a lot with parents, especially girls who struggle with any kind of attention. Like a lot of girls, how David would talk about first recognizing ADHD in boys and how I would talk about it in girls is, is entirely different. And for girls, a lot of times what, what we, when we start to see it is I always think girls have kind of this and women have this sub language. Like we have a conversation back and forth, but there are all these things happening underneath the (laughs) surface that are still a part of our communication. And so girls who have trouble attending miss a lot of that because it's just too much to focus on. And Mm -hmm. so they start to lag behind in girls relationships, which is why you'll see some of those girls start to gravitate towards boys Mm -hmm. because boys are just so much easier. And so sometimes I think what looks like a lack of empathy or, even a little bit of a meanness is they're just missing it. That's they just really don't interesting. Yeah. get that that hurts somebody else. And so for those girls to ask questions to help teach them empathy, like, you know, wow, when you drive by the guy on the street that's selling the homeless newspaper or, you know, something like that to say, what do you think it feels like to be him? Or when you watch a cartoon and they're, you know, cartoons are so great because they show such big emotions on the faces. What do you think that little person feels or what do you think's going when somebody goes through something hard at church? What do you think it feels like to be that person right mm-hmm. now? Just to ask questions to create more of that. Mm-hmm. And then if you know, they've hurt somebody else to have them go back and talk about what it would feel like to be that person. Just all those things help build empathy, I think, in kids and well, can, can prevent some of the meanness. I think of, you know, the, the black and white thinker yes. kind of, and, and it, yeah, serves, yeah, it serves her well, maybe as an adult to focus and 
be organized, but perhaps it is this challenge as a little girl yeah. <laughs> to not see everything as like, they did this, I respond this way. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. They, yeah. they messed up, I'm not giving grace. It's like, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I was that kid. And I think to learn about forgiveness, to learn about things being more than black and white and the gray, just to talk about that is so helpful. So it can be slightly trained. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's always my challenge sometimes with these things is what is so higher, hardwired in our kids and our girls that it's, it's maybe viewed negatively as a little girl, but can be shaped to be a positive as an adult. Yeah. And, and our role as parents to not mislabel it as negative and, and almost rob from the future good. Mm-hmm. Well, I think anything can be, I mean, yeah, besides yeah. our sin can be shifted towards the positive. Mm-hmm. Redeemed okay. in some way. Yeah. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay, let's see. We've talked about that. Um, okay, what? let's spend a little bit of time before you have to go on this mother-daughter relationship and mm-hmm. how to keep that communication open and the teen years and what are some practical steps you can take in the early years for those, there were, it seemed like there were a lot of moms of, of littler kids that were responding. So yes. as they're heading into that time when they're, they're going to want to pull away, mm-hmm. how do we kind of prep for that? How do we prep for, I know Courtney DeFeo said, <laughs> being in a more emotional mom going into emotional years, how do mm-hmm. we kind of stay <laughs> balanced? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to that question, but. Yeah. You know, I think, um, it's probably probably a couple of things. I okay. mean, I think some of the biggest complaints I hear from girls in my office is that their mom's trying to fix it. Mm. And I think that's a way to shut down communication pretty quickly with girls. Because girls want to be strong. They want to learn to problem solve. They want to be resourceful. And, and so when we're stepping in saying, this is what you need to do, which I think is often out of our own fear and wanting to help. But but I think when we're doing that, it communicates to them that we don't believe they're capable of doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's harder to grow up and think, my mom really thinks I'm smart and cool when she's telling me what to do all the time, that she really respects me. And I talk so much with moms of little girls about how girls long to be delighted in, but as they get older, that it, they want to be respected. And, and so I think... Mm-hmm. Um, to not fix it for them, to do a lot of listening. I think those are two of the biggest things that we can do to create more conversation. And then I think another danger I see moms falling into with girls is having more emotion about whatever it is than the girl does herself. You know, she comes home and is hurt about something that hurts with a friend. I have a, a girl in this situation right now who's a teenager and she's been hurt a lot and her mom is more upset than she is. And so she's just stopped talking to her mom. Hmm. And so I think to really check ourselves when we're listening, that we're letting them have more hurt, even when we feel it. I mean, then we go process it somewhere else or call a friend and yell or whatever we need to do, but, but that it's still more of their story and their experience. And we're there to support them and listen and, and help them find their own way to a solution and what they feel like would help. And so I think those things create stronger bonds so that when moms and girls hit adolescence, and I really, I mean, I do this raising girls seminar and that's the thing that I say, if there's nothing else that you hear from me in these two hours talking about girls, I want you to know your daughter's going to pull away from you because she has to, to become her own person because that whole thing about 
you know, girls blame themselves. And, and so moms blame themselves because moms are grown up girls. And so when girls pull away, I think so many moms think, what have I done wrong? Mm. And instead, this is what she's got to do to become her own person. And she's been most closely identified with her mom up to this point. And so she's got a really, it's like a pendulum and she's got to kick off her mom the hardest mm. to swing out and become her own person. And so I think to know that that's going to happen and that that's really part of how God's designed adolescence and she'll come back. She comes back. Mm-hmm. She's just got to push out for a little bit. It's really good. So it's not that you're saying they all need to go get their nails done together and spend all this money on yeah, all these mother daughter think- things. It's more, <laughs> it's more stop trying to manage decisions yeah. for them and listen well, rather than advising all the time. I mean, think about with your husband too. Again, I don't, like when he fixes it, unless right. I ask for fixing. Right, exactly. Yeah. But I do think all those things. I mean, I tell parents a lot, like you need to be spending time with her where you're not teaching her, you're not mm-hmm. correcting her. Y'all are just doing fun things. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I'll have parents of adolescents watch TV shows with their girls a lot, just something where there's they're not even having to talk. They're just yeah. spending time together connecting. That's really good. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, you know, I think – I'm curious. This is something I've held in my head, but maybe it's not true. It seems to me that with raising boys, there's so much pushback to my control attempts when they're mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. and them wanting to just take over that I don't I, I've fought that battle at such a young age and recognizing myself that I cannot control them. They do absolutely ridiculous things. <laughs> and I cannot even think ahead to tell them not to do something. But with little girls, there's such a sensitivity. And like you said, the maybe not all girls again, but this turning inward of correction. So yes. you correct them and then they turn it inward. And so they do control themselves. But it's it's not maybe the way you want it to be that right. that they are very com- they may be compliant to the point where they're like, wait a second hold the phone. I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. So there might be this exactly. really sweet, compliant girl who then rebels. And you're, it's such a shock because where is this coming from? You've been so obedient. You've been so controlled all these years. Now, why? Now you are a terror. Yes. Now you're a terror. Exactly. And, and yeah. it's been because your control issues haven't been sorted out for yourself as a mom because it's yeah. been working. Yes. I think that can definitely happen. Yeah. And a lot of girls... I recently read a study about how girls reserve their most negative emotions at home. Mm, for home. And I think a lot, yeah, a lot of girls do a great job of controlling their behavior and their emotions at school mm. because they want to please their teacher and they're aware of what other kids think about them. And then they get home and that comes to the surface. And so I will sit with parents who will say, we just don't get it. You know, every, Every single parent-teacher conference we have, the teacher says they're delightful, and she is a monster at home. Hmm. And and so that happens a lot. So how so, do you yeah. counsel? How do you counsel the parents that that's their story? Well, just to say that it's a, I mean, it's a like scientific data-based thing that girls do that, and and I think there's not a lot we can do to change that. Other than I think teach them that those behaviors aren't acceptable at home still and help them learn to not feel like they have to spend so much of the day pleasing, but that Mm -hmm. they can have their own voice as they level out having their own voice more at school, too, than they don't feel this innate need, insane need to have it at home. It's not this lopsidedness and interesting. So many good things. Oh, my goodness. 
I don't have a girl, but I feel more empowered that I could. (laughs) (laughs) After hearing from you. Oh, Sissy. Okay, tell everybody before you go where they can find you and um, what you're doing Daystar and all that online. We have a website called RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Okay. Yes. And that's our blog as well. And um, and then Daystar has a website that's DaystarCounseling.com. Um, and yes, either of those places. And we have a new book coming out in February called Are My Kids on Track? Where we're actually talking about a lot of these very things. Um, self-regulation, teaching kids to do that, teaching them empathy, perspective, having their own voice, boundaries, all those things that we feel like kids are losing today. And how can we instill them more in kids? Because parents are like, well, maybe this is normal and they don't know if they should help train it or not. Is that what you're saying? Well, I think just why are kids losing it and, and what's going on? Oh, losing apart? it, not losing those skills. Like they're like flipping out. The kids are the kids are losing the skills and they're losing it. <laughs> Both. Um, <laughs> but kind of that tra- the track is more like, you know, we have all these things now where you can you can rate a child on a scholastic level to say she's reading at a third grade fourth month level and we go to the pediatrician's office and when they're little bitty and they say are they hitting all these milestones but nobody's talking about social milestones like developing empathy learning to take ownership and say I'm sorry nobody's talking about emotional milestones like perspective Mm -hmm. and when kids should be hitting those and how we help them and even spiritual milestones so we pick four of those each for social, for emotional, spiritual, and how to help kids reach those milestones that we feel like they're hitting less and less culturally today. That's really good. That could shift our whole world if we could figure that out. That's really good. Well, and you've written lots of other books you were telling me. I'll put the links to those in the show notes. Um, ones like Modern Parents, Modern Parents, Vintage Values. You wrote yes. Raising Girls with Melissa. Yes. Um, intentional parenting, intentional parenting. David. yes, <laughs> lots of good resources available uh, and they can connect with you through social media, Instagram and Facebook, yes. right? Twitter. Yes. All those things. The Twitter. Yes. Well, thank you, Sissy, for helping girl oh, moms. Heather, it's so fun to be with you. We're going to have to do another one because I'm, I'm thinking we just, with all these questions, we just scratched the surface, but I agree. so I many good helps. So thank you very much. You are welcome. Great to talk to you. Okay. Have a good day. You too. Bye. I get that that may need uh, a couple listens. There's a lot of stuff there and such good advice on words we can say to our daughters uh, or to each other as friends. If we're getting off track on our beauty pursuit, uh, make sure you we're pursuing the right things in our heart and not externally. And then with friendships, those phrases, balcony and basement friends. I used that with my boys this week. I also really appreciated her perspective on the attention issues and focus and how that can impact our, our girls socially and helping them through and teaching empathy and steps towards that. I cannot wait for their new book to come out. Uh, I hope you all were able to take notes. If not, you know, always remember you can go to the show notes over at GodCenterMom.com. And I kind of try to summarize there. Find me over on Instagram. We've got Centering Truth on Tuesday. If you're believing some lies and you need some truth, go find me there and your community there. We're all lifting each other up. I also try to cross post on Facebook that same Centering Truth. And then these GCM Podcast Clubs. They're going great. 
everybody that signed up uh, before Thursday got an email from me uh, inviting them to a new Facebook group just for God Center Mom Podcast Club leaders. Y'all can encourage one another, give each other ideas. I'm loving this one group. A woman contacted me. They're in the UK, and they're such a great combination of people in that group. I got her permission to share this with you. They're all, they all feel very British, but they originate from Nigeria, Hong Kong. Uh, one of the gals, her husband, is from Kerala in India. And the gal hosting the group is a missionary kid from America, but she's been in the UK since she was two. And her husband thought that she should mention that he is Dutch. So anyway, I just love all of you getting together. Love the idea of that. And if you're still interested in starting one, you haven't yet, go to godcentermom.com backslash podcast club. Uh, sign up. We'll be putting some stuff out in January. All kinds of fun come your way. Got lots of great interviews coming towards you this next month. And remember that there is no one way to do this mom thing. My purpose is that you meet with God, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he directs your steps. He gives you wisdom with each child uniquely. Uh, There is no one way to do this. I never want to add burden to you and think, well, Heather said or Sissy said or Kirk said, and you listen to the show and you just feel the weight of all this different parenting advice. That is not my goal. My goal is for you to hear from God first and for these ideas and guests and wisdom to just be coming from him, for him to tap you on the shoulder and say that, that's for you. That's from me, for you, for this child. Make sure you're meeting with him. Again, if you have never heard of hellomornings.org, it's what helped me get up a little bit before my kids and have time with God. Go check them out. They're always starting new groups. You, You can just hop in. And help yourself develop a habit. I know it sounds ridiculous to get up at all before your kids, but even five minutes, start really small. Um, With the holidays coming, gals, we're going to need some serious centering to make it through the crazy waves of all of the full schedules and to-dos. Just don't want to forget the purpose. Gratitude for all God's given us through Thanksgiving and celebration of God coming to earth to be with us. No longer just a temple, no longer far away. God came and dwelt and took on our flesh because of his great love for us. That is Christmas. All right. So y'all go be awesome in God's strength and the Holy Spirit's power in you today, centered in that truth. You're the best. Thank you for listening. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.